0: Hey there, welcome to The tent. I'm your host, Scott Feldman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. There's a certain mental buy-in that we all have to make when we start a botanical-style aquarium. A certain willingness to try different things, accept different aesthetics, and to willingly cede a little bit of control to nature. It's a fundamental part of what we do, an acceptance that what we've been told for generations is the correct way you know, as is the correct way to do stuff in the hobby, may not be the only way, or for that matter, the best way. Once we overcome our natural fears and resistance to things which we've been told are undesirable, unwise, or even bad, the barriers start breaking down between what we know and where we want to be. Now, sure, even with this sort of rebellious mindset, you still have to follow the basic rules and tenets of the of aquarium husbandry and discipline. Just because we're playing with a different system and embracing a different look and function in our tanks doesn't mean that you can blow off every husbandry principle we've developed in the hobby for the past century. You can't try to circumvent natural processes or hack the basics of stocking or stuff like that. If you do, it's likely that bad shit will happen. Nature can be a rather unforgiving place. We've discussed this many times in regards to our hobby, like how if you flaunt nature and blow off her rules and proceed forward without due regard for her processes, you'll get your ass handed to you. We've seen it tens of thousands of times over the years in this hobby, and we'll likely see it thousands of more times in the future, too. And it's not all that bad, really. Sometimes the lessons learned from these misadventures and the surprisingly easy ways to resolve them can yield some practical, even transformative results, yes. It's not always about doing radical stuff, mind you. Sometimes it's about not doing stuff. And quite frankly, I've been surprised over the decades by just how many so-called problems can be solved in aquariums by simply not doing some radical modes. In fact, I've been surprised by how many things that we label as problems uh, aren't really problems at all. For example, by enduring what we feel are the ugly phases of a tank, you know, by waiting out the nasty biofilm stage or just understanding and appreciate them by persevering in algal bloom after educating oneself as to what causes it to happen in the first place, etc., 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 rather than adding all kinds of disruptive chemicals or constantly scraping it out and stuff like that. Knowing that these processes, decomposition, colonization, etc., are fundamental to nature and to the aquarium, adjusting our tolerances to how much we can handle and for how long, And assessing what, if any, long-term impact there will be by either taking action or simply waiting it out. Now, sure, some stuff needs immediate attention: disease outbreaks, heater malfunctions, aggressive fishes, you know, chasing more passive ones, etc. Other things require some something that not every hobbyist has in his or her toolkit: the ability to look beyond the immediate and to understand that what you know what could have caused the situation, and understand that the simple passage of time is often a great fix for many things. Patience and a little faith—that's really important. Uh, I'll give you a case in point: um, some of the early experiments that I did with my urban agapo idea—you know, the flooded forest thing that I did in these little tanks—shared with you that with those uh, those things over the years. This was stuff I'd been working on for years, even before that, and. It reached a point where I just taught myself to expect certain things to happen and to understand that they almost always will pass or change over time if I leave them alone, if I don't start messing with stuff. It was about looking at things differently and not letting my biases or the burden of past experiences and rules taint my outlook. Knowing that just because something is far different than what we're used to, it's not bad. For example, the substrate formulations that I developed for Nature-Based Agapo and Nature-Based Barzea, Uh, which were designed to be part of a process, perhaps even a technique of taking a tank through various phases, a dry terrestrial phase then a gradual inundation period, and then a fully aquatic phase, and then a drying phase again. It's a different way of doing a tank and a different set of characteristics and expectations which accompany it. And as a result of accepting the way it behaved and understanding that this was just part of the process, I knew exactly what to expect, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And it's tempered my tolerances and ideas for how to use it accordingly. Uh, Made it easier to explain to you, the consumer, what all this stuff will do and how, despite the unorthodox appearances it creates, it performs remarkably. I've been very confident in releasing these sedimented substrates uh, for sale because we use this stuff repeatedly for a long time. Um, It is different when you release something that is far different than what people are used to. You worry as a... As a marketer, you worry, is this going to make people uh, upset because they're expecting a certain set of outcomes when they see the word substrate, and then it's a totally different thing. If you ask me about nature-based sediment and substrates, I'll tell you that the most important thing you'll need when you use this stuff is understanding. A mental buy-in, if you will, to a process which goes against most of what we expect from aquarium products. That doesn't come with a bag of dirt, no matter how cool the packaging is, trust me. When you initially wet a substrate consisting of soils, clays, and sediments, you realize that you're going to get horrifically turbid, cloudy water. If you look at it that way, it can last for a week or more. And that's okay, because that's what happens in nature too. That's why we develop this stuff. Because you need to go into working with this material, understanding that it's not intended to look or function like a normal aquarium sand would. That's not what it's about. You don't rinse the stuff. You don't fill the tank 100% from day one right out of the package. I mean, you could. A lot of our customers do, and they're delighted with it, because they know what they're getting into when they do it. It involves process, patience, and the passage of time. Typically, with this stuff, you gradually, slowly saturate it, sprout terrestrial plant seeds, and then begin the slow process of raising the water level. You don't direct filter returns into it, if you're using one at all, or it'll make the water even cloudier for a longer period of time. At this phase, you're likely to not even use it on a large tank because it's easier to control it in a smaller tank. And yes, this stuff's kind of pricey. (laughs) Hell, you're simply not going to use this stuff to create a typical aquarium in the first place. Yet that's what makes the process so damn fun. It's important to understand the hows and whys of specialized aquariums in general and what to expect from them and the products we use with them when we embark on these journeys. And there's always unknowns when you go against the grain in the aquarium hobbies and outcomes you may never have expected. And that's not a bad thing. The point of discussing this concept and our experiments with nature base is that it's an example of a process that requires not only a different outlook, but mental buy-in to a system of doing things for a reason. Sure, you could skirt the rules, fill a tank with water 100% from day one and have a super cloud of sediments and mud for untold weeks or even months for all I know. Nature will simply adjust the initial, uh, the initial outcome, and it's perfectly okay to do that. Either you'll fix it somehow, or you'll leave it alone and let nature sort it out herself. I recommend that you do the latter. Either way, nature eventually sorts it out. Again, this mindset of sort of zen-like patience and confidence in nature, figuring shit out, is but one way of looking at managing things. And it's not for everyone. Control freaks and obsessive tinkerers need not apply. I know quite a few of you. And quite honestly, it's not necessarily you know, something that you need to keep all the time. The workaround here, I hate the word workaround, but the workaround is to understand what you're doing and what could happen, why it happens, and what the upside or downside of rapidly correcting it can be. The key, typically, as with most things in the aquarium world, is to simply be patient. Despite our best efforts to fix stuff, nature almost always sorts it out and does it way better than we can. She's been doing it for eons. great example of this Think about the bane of most hobbyists' existence, so-called nuisance algae. It's a nuisance to us because it looks like shit. It derails our dreams of a pristine aquarium filled with spotless plants, rocks, coral, whatever. Despite all the knowledge that we have about you know being you know algae being fundamental for life on earth, it bothers the shit out of us because it looks bad. And collectively, as hobbyists, we freak the fuck out when it appears. We panic, we do stupid things to get rid of it as quickly as possible. We address its appearance in our tanks. Seldom do we make the effort to understand why it appeared in the first place and to address the circumstances which caused it. And of course, in our haste to rid the stuff of our tanks, we often fail to take into account how it actually grows and perhaps what its actual benefits are. As we probably know, or most of us do. Algae will ultimately exhaust the available nutrients, which cause it to appear in the first place. If you take steps to eliminate resupplying them, and if you wait for it to literally run its course, after these issues have been addressed, we've seen this in the reef aquarium world for a generation now. It's almost always passes once we address the root cause and how, it, you know, and allow it to play out on nature's time frame. Of course, as hobbyists, we want stuff to happen fast, so hundreds of products ranging from additives to filter media and exotic techniques, such as dosing chemicals, etc., have been adopted to destroy algae. We throw lots of money and product at this problem, when the real key would have been to address what causes it in the first place and to work with that. And yeah, the irony is that algae, of course, is the basis of all life. In a reef tank or a freshwater tank, it's a necessary component of the ecosystem. And reefers will often choose the quick fix to eradicate it instead of looking at the typical root causes, you know, low water quality, which would require investing in a reverse osmosis DI unit to solve, or excess nutrients caused by overfeeding or overcrowding, or just poor husbandry, all of which need to be addressed to be successful in the hobby in these ways. Or simply an influx of a large quantity of life forms, like fresh live rock or corals, into a brand new tank with insufficient biological nutrient export mechanisms that can handle it. And often a quick kill upsets the biological process of the tank, throwing it into a further round of chaos, which takes longer to sort itself out. Works the same in a botanical style aquarium as well. You start pulling out all the decomposing leaves or getting rid of all the biofilm. It just prolongs the process because what you're doing is essentially resetting these processes and those organisms which rely on the nutrients and so forth, starve and die. And it creates all kinds of problems. So once these things are understood and the root causes addressed. The best and most successful way to resolve the algae issue, for example, long term, is often to just simply be patient and wait it out. Wait for nature to adjust on her terms, on her time frame. She seeks a balance. Rapid, dramatic environmental shifts are never, good, uh, never a good thing for any type of aquarium. In systems like we run with lots of organic material present, it's just as susceptible to insults from big, poorly thought out moves as any other. Perhaps even more, because by its very nature, our style of aquarium is based upon lots of natural materials which impact the environment on multiple fronts. We need to remember this. We need to observe our systems keenly, test what we can, and always apply common sense to any move that we make. With botanical style aquariums, the key here is often that a cadence, understanding that the material we add needs to be added or replaced at a pace that makes sense for your specific system, is supremely important. Those of us who have been maintaining these types of tanks for some time now really get this and have a great feel for how our tanks run in this fashion. It's a dance, an art form, a process, and an evolution. Sometimes seemingly chaotic, other times maddeningly slow, always alluring, always deferring to nature. And it's all to, you know held together by you, the Aquarist, applying as much emotion as you do procedure, all done in the proper time, questioning things when we're unsure and accepting things when we feel it's right or even just because. This is a huge point, something which everyone who works with the tentacle style aquariums comes to know and usually accept. We need to have an attitude which doesn't allow us to panic, to make fast short-term moves in favor of longer-term outcomes, to accept things that seem uncomfortable. question what we've been told is the only way to do stuff. It's a very different philosophy. You need to accept different aesthetics. You need flexibility. You may even have to accept short-term losses for a greater long-term good. You need to have faith in nature. She won't stare you wrong unless you try to best her. Stay patient. Stay open-minded. Stay brave. Stay curious. Stay observant. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tin.